stories from your community. This is the 519 Podcast, part of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. It was last year when the entire country was shocked by the discovery of unmarked graves on the grounds of a former residential school in Kamloops, B.C. The discovery led to flags being lowered to half-staff across Canada, and there were marches in towns and cities across the country. It seemed like everyone had the words, every child matters, on their minds. You could say that it almost felt like a national awakening. But in the days and weeks that followed the discovery in Kamloops, one thing became painfully clear. This country has not done a particularly good job at accurately presenting the history of Indigenous people in Canada. But that may be changing. Truth and reconciliation has been a long time coming. But most would agree it deserves more than a single day of recognition. On this episode of the 519 Podcast, we present Truth and Reconciliation Beyond the Orange Shirts. Here's your host, Haley Chang. For the second time in Canadian history, we are recognizing Truth and Reconciliation Day. And as new as this federal holiday is, it's still unclear to many how we should recognize it. Though it's called one, this is not your typical holiday. It's not a celebration. It's a time for reflection and education. It's a time for reconciliation. And that means doing more than wearing an orange shirt. This is easily said, but what exactly does it mean? What exactly does reconciliation look like? This is Sarah May Chitty, Indigenous Curriculum and Pedagogy Advisor at Western University. A lot of Indigenous communities are still calling it Orange Shirt Day. We're still wearing our orange shirts. Uh, we're doing ceremony or having gatherings to honour survivors and those that did not make it home or some people are, you know, doing their own thing with their families because it is still, in many ways, a day of, it's not an official day of mourning, but it is a sad day for a lot of people. But now that it's been rebranded, so to speak, as the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, I've seen a lot of commentary and I'm kind of leaning this way of how, you know, on that end, on the reconciliation end, um, part of that day and the truth part of that day is that um, institutions, corporations, organizations, individuals, governments should be using that day not to tout how much they've done for reconciliation, but to really um, have those hard conversations and hold that space for that truth telling. Um, it doesn't have to come from Indigenous sur- like survivors of residential school necessarily, but to you know, sit your team down or sit your organization down and, and take a hard look at what isn't being done or could be, do- be done towards reconciliation. In some ways, the vagueness of truth and reconciliation can be a good thing. Could the vagueness of it spur more individual action? Could the lack of defining traits lead people to discover what it means on our own? Reconciliation is a complex process, and there's no black or white or one way to go about it. To help you get started on your journey, here's Faith Hale, Executive Director of Skunna Learning Centre, which is an early years and childcare Indigenous program in Chatham-Kent. My Indigenous name is Oda Nagabagish. I'm Mandan Haratsa from North Dakota. And I've been in this part of what we call Turtle Island for almost 40 years. I see reconciliation today as reconciliation. So I don't see it as <laughs> we learn, we understand, and we accept past history. 
But what I what I see it as today is that, yes, we learn the truth. We want to know past history, but we need to create actions to ensure that uh, this type of what we would call Indian residential school genocidal policies are not inflicted on anyone anywhere and that we continue to strive to live a good life. So my thinking today around reconciliation is really reconciliation. And that there's a role for me. There's a role for agencies that as we pledge to make a difference and to understand that um, we, didn't, we don't have control over the past, but we certainly have control today and our future, depending on how we act. One of the ways we can recognize Truth and Reconciliation Day is by getting to know the Indigenous communities in our area. We can read the books, watch the documentaries, we can educate ourselves. But what's the education worth if we don't put it into practice? How can we reconcile anything if we don't know the people with whom we are reconciling? If you're not Indigenous, I just really hope that you're using that day in a generative way to either educate yourself or your children or as recently um, Chief Cadmus DeLorme, he spoke at King's uh, University College last week. He's the chief of Kawasas First Nation, which was one of the communities that came out last year with um, a large number of potential graves kind of identified. Uh, I loved what he said. He said, the greatest tool for reconciliation in this country is the kitchen table. I really encourage people to have conversations and to be in a relationship with Indigenous organizations, individuals, maybe your neighbor, you don't even know who's Indigenous, but have those relationships because real change comes through relationship. Even though I may have knowledge, if I don't share it, it's just knowledge I have. So I, I really want to educate people. I want to be in a relationship. And this is how real change happens, is in a relationship where we get to know each other, agencies get to know each other, and we began to work together to create policy that is justice. And, and people will talk about equity, diversity, inclusion. What I do know from an Indigenous lens, and many of my knowledge keepers, friends, elders have taught me, is that when we come together as Indigenous peoples before contact and even now, that that exists within our ceremonies. It's as simple as it sounds. It just takes a little effort. Make that call, send that message, go to that event. We asked other units and other departments to sort of not just amplify what we're doing, but like to attend community events like at Losa's, um, having a gathering, uh, a community event uh, that will include educational components, but also include cultural elements um, and the sacred fire, you know, uh, to, to be like, yes, okay, obviously we want to do something as an institution or as an organization, but this is also about connecting with community and the communities that are impacted by Indian residential schools. So we should be supporting community-led events too, right? I guess that's kind of where, where I'm at with it, is we should be reflecting on what reconciliation is, where it's at, what our roles are in it, that kind of thing. What we often don't think about when the topic of reconciliation comes up is the reconciliation with the earth. The relationship First Nations communities have with the earth is special and one of absolute respect. This concept of 
uh, of race, you know, difference. That's really kind of a new thought. Like I said, we're talking about our ways of being and knowing thousands and thousands of years of living uh, here on this part of, part of the world that we call Turtle Island, and that we were just human, and and we're not uh, above our relations or, or or having dominion over our relations. We really don't. We don't have that way. We know that we live in harmony. And if you look at the word of Anishinaabe or Haudenosaunee or any of the languages that talk about the people, they're two-legged who walk upright in harmony with uh, nature. So when we think about who we are as humans, if we can get to just that place, we're reconciling. But this reconciliation is really, yes, with the Indigenous uh, population, absolutely. But again, we have to consider that land grab, what this was about. This wasn't about um, educating children and, and, and ci civilizing a group of people. This was about land, about ownership. And Indigenous people, that concept doesn't really resonate with us because we know this is a gift. We know that Gitchimanadu, the, the creator, the gift that we have today, and this life we have is really a, a gift. And that, what do you do with a gift? Y you use it in a good way. You respect it. A respect that many non-Indigenous cultures have failed to emulate for years now. So much so that we've created our own environmental crisis. So when we're talking about truth and reconciliation, it goes well beyond the relationships with our local Indigenous communities. We need to reconcile with the land we live on as well. I, I really believe that everyone has it in their power to be uh, and to take action around reconciliation today. And again, for Indigenous people, it's holistic thinking. It really is about the environment. It really is about sustainable um, ways and energy that we talk about that isn't going to encroach on the land and the animals You know that we need that are, we call our relatives. So all of this, the sky world, you know, we, we think about the air. We, we really consider and pray for these things that future generations would, would have opportunity to live the good life. Just like newcomers, when they came to this land, they saw a beautiful land. They wanted to be here. Indigenous people were here for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We took care of it. We protected what, what creator, Gitchimanadu, gave to us. So I think that's that part about reconciliation that's bigger than um, thinking about um, an individual, because it's bigger. And, and again, it goes beyond being just human. It's really about uh, all our relatives. And Indigenous people believe that is the animal, the plant life, the water life, everything that we have to create sustenance, for us to live a good life. Because the Mother Earth, I tell people this all the time, Mother Earth doesn't need us. The trees don't need human beings. The animals don't require human beings. The air, the water does not require human beings. We need all of that. For hundreds and hundreds of years, non-Indigenous cultures have hunted some species to near extinction, cut down forests, and used up natural resources. It's clear that we've put ourselves before the earth without thinking about the impact that has, especially on indigenous communities. Not only do we have equity, inclusion, 
in diversity, and I mean diversity not in the colors of skins of people or the languages that we speak, but we also talk about the water. We talk about the trees, the plant life. We talk about the animal life. We talk about reconciliation big. So, you know, in, in my mind, there's examples like, hey, the hospital in our town needs a new parking lot. So let's cut down 700 trees to make that. Well, maybe we should consider the trees and the future of those trees and how that would impact our communities for space where we can go and be connected to the land. So preserving what creation has given us is so vital today to reconciliation. So there's so many ways to think about reconciliation, reconciliation in our everyday lives. So even as, you know, as small as recycling, it could be reconciliation if in fact we do it in a way that makes sense for future generations. So we're talking about creating environment and, and, a, and a life and a lifestyle for people that they can access the good life, that they can actually see Canada, uh, what we call Turtle Island, North America, as this beautiful place to grow and to learn and to be. We have to think about ways that we can create change. And it could be in your grocery store. It could be the types of foods that are brought in. I mean, we talk about things like a hundred mile radius and Again, that was an indigenous way of life, why we moved and we didn't build big cities. And, you know, I'm going to use a word like corrupt the land, but we didn't do that. Some people may say, you know, take advantage of the land or use other words. But, you know, we moved a lot to protect the land because when it wasn't producing what we needed, we knew it needed a break to 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 heal and to to be able to uh, sustain future growth and, and life over many generations. So indigenous people did move. And some of that thinking today with all the cement and all the cities and what we've created, you know, maybe we need to consider how we can do this in a, in a, in a kinder way, you know, for the earth. So those are just some areas of action, I think, that can take place. Um, but definitely becoming educated and creating the relationship you know, for, for to have an understanding because indigenous ways of knowing and being um, and how we were before contact was really about caring for what we felt were our, our, our gifts, our ways of life. That was all it was about, joy and celebration, what we could grow, how we could eat, how we could build better bodies, better brains, how we could take care of the earth, how we could live more harmonious you know, with all of our relations. It goes without saying that the objective of Truth and Reconciliation Day is that it continues well beyond this year. Perhaps it could be better seen as an icebreaker to more important conversations to come. Have those conversations, create those spaces, uh, you know, do that education work. Don't put it on Indigenous peoples um, and also maybe make a plan for it to extend past that day. Like, it doesn't have to be just that day, right? Maybe maybe September 30th uh, is the day that your company launches a monthly learning circle around what, what can be done, analyzing the impacts of that industry or that organization on Indigenous people and how to do meaningful reconciliation work. Like, you know, that would be great. That would be ideal. And I think it's important to speak to survivors, to be honest, 
And they're not, you know, honestly, our survivors are at an age in some that they're not able to even engage as much today. But you still have young people who have gone through Indian residential school who, with reconciliation, have been a part of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and whole families, because it's not just about every child matters, September 30th. Reconciliation is about all of this change and growth. And these two movements, although they are significant to our people, they're just the beginning. And, and it's funny because I, I sit with many networking groups that talk about reconciliation and what we're doing and how they're creating policy and wanting to uh, engage and to create change, you know, to, to change the past, I guess, if we can, if there's such a thing, or at least that we don't create these, these uh, atrocities again in the future. And so we're working together, but some of it is really about standing and accountability that we have to hold each other accountable today. And we need to do that in a good way. We need to be kind. We need to be respectful. So I, I say to agencies today, if you're not for us, then you're against us because not doing anything is not good. For years, we've been told a story that has been pretty far from the truth when it comes to the history of indigenous people and how they've been treated. Thinking back to the bombshell news of the unmarked graves found in Kamloops, it shocked the nation, but wasn't a surprise to the survivors who've been telling their story for years. And it goes to show with such an Eurocentric narrative that's been widely accepted for so long, it's time to take a step back and let indigenous people reclaim their space and reclaim their culture. For me, uh, this year, I actually will be luckily in the bush, actually myself, doing some cultural reclamation um, uh, doing some hunting. So that's exciting for me, but not everyone gets that opportunity, um, either. Right. We reconcile by going back to what did we do before contact? What did our languages say? You know, when we ask for our languages, it's not because we want to speak a different language. It's because our ceremonies, our ways of being and knowing our education exists in that language today. And as we relearn and teach ourselves, our languages, we're finding who we are. We're reinventing who we are because we were also told a story that wasn't true. So a lot of Indigenous people are, are, are also on this journey of reinventing and accepting our ways as those good ways. So I think, you know, if people are able to understand that, that this isn't something you're doing for us, it's something you're doing with us. It's a long process. And while we can do the bare minimum and put a focus on truth and reconciliation on one day each year, this journey goes well beyond our orange shirts. Everyone is at this, I would say, aha moment that, hey, we need to really consider what this is today. And think about education. Think about who we are and the footprint we leave for future generations. And what does that look like? So no matter where you come from or who you are, you're still in what we would call Turtle Island and North America, Canada. And what does that mean when you think about the land? The 519 Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.